What's up everybody and welcome back to the Antisocial Network. Last episode we shined light on the beauty in black history, but I'd be remiss not to speak on the brutality that's plagued our community. So, this week I've invited my friend Ray to speak about what they experienced June of 2020 while protesting the unjust murder of George Floyd. Before we get into the episode, I want to give a quick disclaimer that some of Ray's story may be triggering for some listeners. Alright, what's up everybody? Welcome back to the Antisocial Network. Today I have my special guest Ray joining me. Say what's up. Oh, thank you. Thank you everyone. Please relax. Hello everyone. I'm Ray. So despite the bit of a comical intro from Ray, our topic of conversation today is um, on the heavier side. We are in Black History Month and so Last episode, we talked about more of the the beauty and black history, but today we're going to discuss some of the brutality that there is in it. Um, So to get started, a little bit of background. Ray was, I don't know, how how would you describe what happened to you? Um, So June of 2020, um, when a lot of y'all might remember, there was a lot of protesting going on. pretty much the big summer start to the protests of after George Floyd's death. Um, So I, and I wanna say well over a hundred people, maybe I say maybe 150 um, were arrested on June 2nd of 2020. at the protest after, that you attended. Yeah, after a protest that I had attended that afternoon. So let's rewind a little bit and just start with when you heard the news about George Floyd in the first place. How'd that make you feel? I think the feeling goes further back than that, actually. I feel like I've had this growing feeling since Trayvon Martin, mm-hmm. you know, being in middle school when that happened, uh, seventh yeah. grade. That was really our first glimpse of reality. I know it was mine. Yeah. I think it was the first time for us that we had to stare in the face, mm-hmm. you know. There was this, you know, long silence of the 90s and early 2000s of, oh, we've gotten so far, we've gotten so better, but it was just placating all the rot underneath. Mm-hmm. And then when it bubbled over, I just remember feeling so weird and feeling like we had to come to terms with our blackness then and there. Yeah. Um, but to fast forward into almost 10 years later, mm-hmm. um, George Floyd's death felt like a tipping point at watching the world do whatever it wants over and over again and then being fed up. Mm -hmm. I guess also because of the pandemic, one, emotions are already very high, and two, it's just like amidst something else that's a tragedy that's going on within, you know, all over the world. Like, it's like we still can't escape the realities of what it means to be black people in America. Even with a deadly virus, being black is still more deadly. Right, which is uh, a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, definitely. So what made you decide to go protest? Um, Did you feel, I mean, you probably didn't even really feel like you had a choice. I know I went to protest. I didn't really feel like I had a choice either. It just, I think people who understand, understand, and people who don't, won't, but it felt like that's where I needed to be. There's no real Mm -hmm. answer to it. It's. I have to go, I have to, you know, I have to be there, I have to, you know, I couldn't sit in the sadness of it 
yeah. of the posts of the think pieces true you know and I just wanted to go out there and with my medical background and all that I was like your what background with my medical background oh. and all that I went um with medical supplies and things like that nature and I'm not a loud person in big situations so I just went with water supplies and things like that like more of a background thing like so and just to clarify this was here in Houston this wasn't like in uh Minnesota or anything like that mm -hmm. it was here in Houston so you know protests were going on worldwide I mean countrywide um and so what what was it what did it feel like just being there, you know, before even anything really happened? What was the, the air, the energy? Well, this was the second protest I had been to in just over George Floyd. So this is the second one. So I felt I had a grasp to it. Um, mm -hmm. It was the first time um, in that summer. It was kind of a little more disorganized and getting it together. But by the second time, um, you know, me and two other friends we had like a medical uh, i don't know if you've ever seen like a, a wheelbarrow like mm -hmm. a big industrial one like that and it felt more like you know organized and stuff like that and i think being more organized was the pushing point of the police to come out even heavier because it was more organized yeah and I realized because, um, so we had walked and we went into, I'm forgetting, and probably a lot of people aren't from Texas, so they won't know, but um, there's this area downtown and they were speaking like up on the steps. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a lot of, you know, different ministers and something like that. And just people giving speeches and things like that. And it felt good and it felt calm and it was you know, just to set the scene for everyone. It wasn't, you know, this big thing that people make it seem like we come out there for blood. Right. It was really community and needing to say what we had to say, but also being there for each other mm -hmm. while we're hurting, you know, instead yeah. of sitting in it, you know. So the police presence from the start was large. It definitely got heavier as the day went on, but it was there. How long was the protest? Oh, let's see. I want to say I got there around mid to late afternoon. Okay. Around that time, so maybe, maybe like one o'clock mm -hmm. was when we had first got there. And, and then you said, I guess, starting around when you noticed there were more cops and security there. Yeah. After, like, we had done, you know, we marched, and then after speeches and marching again, it was probably around, like, four or five around that time. Mm -hmm. So a few hours had passed, and then that's when everything kind of went left. Yeah, I was gonna say, so did the energy shift once you guys noticed that there were more, there was more of a police presence or? I think what people don't see is how they go about antagonizing people, you know, and. What did you see? So, it, so we're, you know, walking, it's, you know, a lot of people are now sitting resting since we've been doing a lot of marching and stuff like that. And, then out of nowhere, you know, when things, how do I explain it? We were, you know, always in the street and, you know, marching and stuff like that. And then randomly it's y'all need to get on the sidewalk and y'all need to do this, this and that when it's already been that we've been, you know, mm -hmm. marching and things like that. And then people are like, we've been doing this. And then things come to a boil and a breaking point. So what was that breaking point? Um, so what had happened, I guess to go chronologically, we were sitting on the sidewalk, me and the people I was with, mm -hmm. handing out supplies, you know, water, food. Mind you, it's June and it's Texas, it's so it is extremely hot. And we have masks on, so it's really hot outside. Um, so 
we hear this big commotion further down the street. Like, it almost sounds like gunshots. Like, it's really loud. Um, so I basically turned to them and I was just like, like, stay here, like, let me go. I want to make sure nobody's hurt because I just see people running. I'm like, somebody's going to get trampled. So I go out that way. <laughs> Mind you, this is the last time I ever see anyone I actually know. So I go. What made you weren't scared to go by yourself? No, no, I just, like I said before, like, people who understand, understand the feeling of feeling mm -hmm. like something bad is happening and you can't sit there. But, I mean, it's a good thing that your friends didn't get involved, but just you didn't want them to be with you. Mm, I just was keeping them by the stuff that we had, and I expected to be right back okay. because I was like, hey. But also, they, they were more handing out the supply stuff, and I was more doing, like, little medical things because people had been getting, like, scrapes and bruises and stuff like that. Okay which had happened last time we had gone. So I was like, let me just check and make sure nobody's gotten trampled or anything like that. I'll be right back. Didn't come right back, but yeah. <laughs> um, so I just went over there just to check, you know. Um, I go over to that side and I guess to help set the scene for people is that, you know, a regular downtown street, you know, um, but in downtown Houston, there's not really sidewalks everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's basically the street where cars would be. And you have like a group of the protesters who were still marching. And then you have, which I didn't realize because there's a building, there's just a flood of police standing in front of them. So I guess they had been coming through the other way. Okay. So we hadn't, I hadn't even noticed that they were there. So that's where the noise is coming from. And there's a lot of yelling and stuff like that. So I go up there just checking and um, it's, it's chaotic to the point where I'm just, I'm asking, I'm like, what's going on? Like, why are we coming to this, you know, big thing? It was peaceful. And they were just like, the police just started like pushing telling us to get it. Like, you got to go, you got to leave, stuff like that. And as I, you know, maneuver through the crowd and things like that, I'm just like, let me just check. I'm just like, is everyone all right? You know, just to give a little sidebar of kind of my mindset of why I was like going towards it because mm -hmm. in the first protest because loud noises make people run yeah you know people got you know fell and trampled last time so that's was my mindset going in there um mind you I'm not very big to give people a <laughs> yes you are I'm I'm five three so I'm zigzagging through everyone yeah. um so i get to the front of what's going on and so like it's you're a, facing yeah the... it's a line of cops with more cops behind them they've got their what is it not body armor but like you know those helmets stuff like mm -hmm. that they got their sticks out and yeah. things like that so it's a row of them of the cops and then another row behind them, basically keeping it like this. And then there's a big space behind them mm -hmm. in the street. And all you see is like cop cars down there. So they're cutting off the whole entire street. And then in front of them is all of us. And then and like you guys towards are just the sides. trying to like march they were on just the yeah, we were yeah. just marching this way. So I come around and I'm just asking them, I was like, what's going on? What's wrong? And they were just like, you know, we're standing here peacefully, you know, and they're telling us we have to leave, stuff like that. And I was just like, we, you know how marches go it's we've been going this route and stuff like that mm -hmm. so i'm just like why now why right now um and tensions are rising and things are being pushed and stuff like that um so once i get to the front and all that everyone's like okay like you know they're clearly upset the police is clearly upset so the people who are more in charge like community leaders and stuff like that are like okay let's you know, let's turn back, you know, they're obviously upset. But as we're trying to leave now, and I'm just like helping people leave and stuff like that, the police are getting more and more aggressive. Mm -hmm. And to the point where when you have a huge crowd, you can't expect everyone to move at one time. So the people in the back are now trying to shift and stuff like that. Right. And everybody is leaving now. The only reason I wasn't able to make it to the front again is because I'm just small. So 
um, we are turning back and stuff like that. Um, and I'm like, all right. Um, so when everything got hectic is when the police started physically pushing people and to turn around like y'all were already doing yeah which was why well, i tell people everyone always thinks oh don't provoke the police and stuff like that we were li literally turning around to leave we we're like it's not worth it you know we're like okay fine you want us to leave we'll leave people who always assume that we go out there for blood which yeah. isn't the case anyway everyone's turning back now i've checked everything out everything's fine and so i'm just like all right everyone's still good so let's turn around um, so the shoving ensues of them pushing things and all that. And then I end up, and this is, I wish I could find whoever this girl was, because in the end, this is why I got arrested. Okay. But, um, there's this girl next to me and she's got to be like, maybe 4'11", five foot flat. So okay. I'm like, she's got to be maybe like 90 pounds soaking wet. So I'm just like, you are going to get trampled. You're going to fall. So she's like next to me. So I loop my arm around her mm -hmm. while she's getting like shoved because there's all these policemen who've got to be like 200 pounds yeah. and pushing the absolute mess out of her. She's going to end up on the ground. So I like grab her with my arm. I'm like, we got to turn, like, we got to get out of here. I was like, let's go. So all the people who are next to us are like yeah y'all like you need to get her out of here like mm -hmm. she's too small so like i said i'm in the front now so i'm turning with her mm -hmm. and just to give so you so you like, were already you were arm in arm with her but still facing the cops yeah okay so the people behind <laughs> us were you know still turning to leave or whatever yep. she had nowhere to go so i'm linked up arm to arm with her and this is just to give you how quickly things change. So I am with her and I'm like turning to leave and all and then my whole entire life just goes black. Like wow. the last thing I see is the police who's mind you, I'm like sideways now, like turning to go. So I just see in the corner of my eye, this cop goes that one right there and points. And all I feel is the biggest burst of air. Oh, it like hit me so hard and I don't think people understand it's not like this little liquid or whatever it felt like an air cannon of dust mm -hmm. and I was, so I get hit close range just they're right here so the last thing I see is him going that one right there it hits me and everything just basically goes black like whoever I was hooked to anything I don't feel it I like immediately get hit with it and then I feel hands grab me by my chest like and all my shirt and all that mm -hmm. and I've had my backpack strapped to the front of me so they grabbed all the front of me and pulled me into the police line and swallowed me in like so behind them yeah so the ones who were standing behind mm -hmm. the first row mm -hmm. grabbed me pushed me into it and then closed it off so nobody oh, wow. even saw me got taken it's just black. I can't open my eyes. Every time I do, it's like lava. I, it's in my throat. It's everything. I, it's on my skin. It's, I feel like I'm burning alive. Um, so I feel myself get pulled in by them. And then I'm thrown on the ground. Mind you, it's concrete. So the only notions of sense that I have is really just Touch. feeling and what I can see every time I try and open my eyes. Yeah. So then they grab me by my back and drag me across the concrete down the street. So um, all I feel is my like lifeless body being dragged down the street. Um, uh, so we get like a block further down kind of how I set the scene for you. It's mm -hmm. all empty and then there's cop cars further down. Nobody can see me back there because they've made a whole entire, you know, defense for me. So I'm getting pulled down. Um, what are you like feeling right in this moment? Like, um, I mean, you can't really tell what's going on. Like you just, like you said, can feel what's happening. So like what what's going through your head at this um, point? I told my, uh, my mom about this. I've never really, recall the story other than to lawyers and stuff like that. In that moment, 
and I never really expressed to many people. It's like, I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I had come to that. I was like, I'm going to die here. No one knows where I'm at, and no one's going to, you know. Yeah. Who's, you know, I was just like, I don't know if I was scared or more that I just felt how helpless, helpless yep. it was. At the end of the day, there's absolutely nothing I can do. Um, but yeah, in that moment, I was like, I'm, I'm going to die here. I can't see. I'm choking. I can't do anything. I'm being dragged by... Well, the people dragged me, there's two people. Um, so I'm being dragged by my literal clothes down the street. And once we get further down, um, is when I really thought, I was like, I'm gonna die here. So they put their knees into my back and into like my arms and all that. Like literally the same thing damn near that brought yeah. you to be at the yeah. protest in the first place. So it was kind of a realization to me. I was like, if George Floyd, who, you know, is a full grown man, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm gonna die here. And so I've got about two pairs of knees in my back from two different people and then people on top of my arms. So there's four different people, of which I can remember. Because once you lose all your senses, I was like, the only thing I can remember is literally the force of every person on me. Yeah. And then it just became like a hysterical thing. So I was just like, your body goes into fight or flight. And I was like, I don't want to die here. I can't breathe. So mind you, I'd just been tear gassed and there's people on my back. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't get a breath of air. And I'm trying to articulate. I was like, I, I, I can't breathe. And I think in that moment, I was just like, this is exactly, you yeah. know, how he felt. And it's just like, I can't breathe. I'm going to die here. Um, and my body kind of just went slack because I was like, I'm about to pass out. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I had been handcuffed. And finally, they got off of me and then did the same thing and dragged me further down the street. And that time was when somebody finally could see me on the side of the protest. And they were just like, everyone was just like, are you okay? Like, I could just hear them in the distance. And I was just remembered like telling them my name. And that was all I could do because they couldn't do anything to help me. Yeah. You know? But just to give like a visualization for everyone after the fact was, I take a picture or whatever. So my knees are bloody. My stomach is cut up. Yeah. Mind you, I have my nose ring. This is how I was, you know, I was being dragged and my face was in the ground, got ripped out of my face. Um, you know, my elbows, my arms, you know. My back, I'm sure. Just, yeah, everything's bruised. Um, how tight the handcuffs were, it took months for those, like, bruises to get out of my wrists. But I was dragged after that, and it was when I was like sitting on the sidewalk. I just remember being handcuffed and not being able to see anything, and just laying there basically. And so, when they finally, I guess, they got to a point where you were just kind of sitting there, um, waiting to see what was going to happen next, probably move you into a squad car or something. How long had you been? sitting just with this like unknowing sense this is, of what's this happen. is when things just start to drag out because mind you i don't i don't get back home until the next like full-on day into the night like yeah, next night yeah. so this is going to be a whole new 24 hours that's going to go through um so i'm sitting there gagging and stuff like that and mind you i was the only one who had been arrested at this time it's around six o'clock so I'm there, just lifeless on the sidewalk, and time doesn't even really mean anything at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm just like sputtering out because I can't do anything. And then one of the cops like pours the water on my face or whatever because, you know, they're going to go about asking me like, who are you, da da da, and stuff like that, and being arrested. Yeah. So I can't do that when I can't breathe. And That's when they care. Gas, so yeah. they like poured it on and stuff like that. And I just remember them being like, 
because I was prepared, so I had all my ID on me and stuff like that. So I'm sitting there, probably for the first 30 minutes, I was like, you can go on my bag, because I have all my identification in there, you know. I had a little box with me, you know. I came prepared, keeping my stuff where it needed to be. Mm -hmm. And we are going through, like, my bag and things like that. Um... And I just remember, because I'm listening to all their conversations. It's like one of your only senses left intact. Yeah, so I'm hearing everything they say. So the guy who is arresting me, he's supposed to be the one whoever saw whatever and something like that, is um, talking to him and the guy's like, um, so what's the like offense or whatever? And the guy has to tell him what I did. So Nothing. to give you yeah. a sense, the officer who is arresting you or whatever is supposed to be the one who saw whatever I did. Whatever. Exactly. So I'm listening to this other guy tell him the offense and stuff like that. So I'm just like, I'm, you know, I'm eavesdropping. I'm listening. I'm just like, so I asked him, I was like, what did I do? And he was like, well, you, when you were in front of me, you turned and your shoulder bumped into me. And he's like, that's felony assault of a police officer. After you told... And I was like... And I, mind you, the man in front of me is a white man who is probably about 5'11", about 230 pounds. I was just like, I turned to walk away with this girl, and you're telling me that I brushed into you. Right. Mind you, they have full-on bulletproof vests, all this, and we're being squeezed in this crowd. And I said, so I'm being charged with a felony because... My shoulder bumped into you. Mind you, when he said that, his words were literally, he was like, yeah, you, you know, you bumped into me. And when you say you bump into someone, that shows you that it's an accident. Clearly. So I was like, so you know, and you had to have that man tell you what the offense was, that it was absolutely nothing. And I think people, when I do tell them, like, Oh, felony assault. They're like, what did you do? And I was just like, I, I didn't like, I didn't Absolutely even swing, not, yeah. you know? Um, but that's what I was told. And I was just like, I assaulted you. Like, that's what happened. And he was just like, yeah. And he was like, no, he's timid. Yeah. Your shoulder, you know, bumped into me. Like literally he used the word bumped into me. And that's just engraved in my head because I was like, if I, if you're like, oh, you shoulder checked me or you, you know, you mm -hmm. pushed at me or something like that. No, it was literally, oh, you bumped into me. I was like, so an accident. So you said it was like a whole day. Where did they put oh my you? Gosh, it was awful, mind you, for these next damn near 18 hours straight is, we never know what time it is. So. I'm sitting there on the curb for like an hour. Mm -hmm. Another person gets sat on the sidewalk, some dude, and he got tear gassed also. Right. So I guess he had like a bike or whatever, and he was on the sidewalk with it or whatever. And that, was... and that was his thing. Mind you, when I tell you all the things that people got, you know, arrested, arrested. for, it's, it's going to be comical. Um, so while I'm sitting there, mind you, I tell you, you know, I was the first person. So I'm watching as more people are getting arrested um, as the literally nightfall starts to come, you know, later on. So it takes probably anywhere between two to three hours of me sitting on that sidewalk waiting to be taken anywhere. Mm -hmm. By that time, it's probably like maybe between 25 to 40 other people now sitting with me. So I've been there for a while. So I'm just like, what happened? Like, what's been going on? I can't see anything. I'm all mm -hmm. the way down the street. And almost as absurd as what happened to me, but everybody else's was misdemeanors. They were like, basically what had happened was they had cornered a lot of the protesters. And mm -hmm. and how a lot of them ended up getting arrested was they had told them they're like get on the sidewalk stuff like that and mind you this was somebody who I talked to for a while being in jail through mm -hmm. story okay so this is about five of them who had the same exact story um they got cornered and they were like 
you know, get on the sidewalk, stuff like that. And they're like, okay. And so then uh, the girl who I was talking to was like, you know, can I go to my car? She was like, can we leave? Like, you know, we're on the sidewalk. And it was like, yeah, it's fine. As soon as I stepped off, they arrested wow. all of them. So just to give For, you all like, a little escaping point. arrest or something like that? No, obstruction of, you know, and being in the street. So just to give you a little, you know, idea of, you know, people think, oh, you're out there, you're causing commotion. People were being arrested for literally walking. Mm -hmm. um, so most everyone's was misdemeanors. There was like me and one other person who had got a felony. Um, but to go back to how it was, we're sitting there for hours waiting to get on a transport bus. And when we do get on hours later, they then take us to, I'm not even sure because they wouldn't tell us anything, but it was like this gymnasium mm -hmm. that I thought was a police gymnasium. I'm not sure. But once we get there, it's like they have us in this big caged off area. Mind you, it's basically like cages yeah. of keeping us in and like separating by genders and stuff like that. So we're getting in and we're being pat down and different stuff like that. So as I guess the resident gangster I am when I walk in or whatever, they're basically like, oh, this one's felony, this one's assault, like da 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 da. So then I have like three people on me to like pat me down and like stuff like that. And, and basically being treated like a criminal, which yeah. if I was gonna assault someone, I'll do it a lot better than a shoulder a brush, tap. Yeah, y'all all have a hundred pounds on me, so we're looking real dumb. <laughs> so I was like, where am I go? Because yeah. at this point, you know, I've had handcuffs on for hours. I don't think people realize those metal handcuffs are god awful. And I was the only one who had those on. Everyone else had zip ties, oh, so okay. I had to ask to like literally once I got there to have zip ties because it was digging so far into my wrists. Um, but we're in the gymnasium, I'm being pat down or whatever. And, you know, just to give y'all a little sunshine in this very bleak story, I think that's when I finally realized when I was around, like, all the people who had also been arrested, it felt better. It was so, I don't know, it was... You just weren't alone. Anymore. Yeah, being alone for those hours was just sucked. Yeah, um, and at least, like, now you had some sort of idea of what was happening. Yeah, because I could piece together what went wrong. Yeah. And it was basically them just inciting violence, as they always do, mm -hmm. the police. Um, so mind you, everyone who's been arrested is between the age of 18 to the eldest person I met was, like, 28. So how long is it before you go back home? So, to give you all the hours, now, um, I want to say it's maybe around 10 o'clock, but just to give you a perspective of how shitty it was, the clock in there was that they had it stopped and all that. And when we asked what time it was, they purposely lied and they were like, oh, they're like, so we would ask different cops and they all gave us a different time. And I, so, mind you, I was arrested, like I said, around five, six. So some cop was like, oh, it's six. I was like, that's yeah. completely impossible. And I was like, why are you lying? And just to give you, they are very standoffish. So, so you said we had no sense of what time it was. We could only guess by how dark it was outside. Um, when we finally did get moved and we're oh, going you to... Didn't even, okay, you got moved somewhere else. Yeah, mind you, this is just us being housed in here and then we get moved again. Okay. And by that time, it's dark outside. And, you know, it's the summer, so I'm like, it's got to be 10 o'clock. Mm -hmm. um, and we get moved to um, the next place. Mind you, I don't think people realize how bad tear gas is. I keep getting reactions like over and over in my eyes and I have to keep doing the same thing over because it keeps getting on me because it's it's powder so it's everywhere on me yeah. and people can't be next to me like da 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 like it's that bad um so when I do get to uh the jail I appreciate people who point out the bad in things because mind you the people who got arrested there was you know there were some white people who got arrested also okay so this one girl who was getting like put in the jail like the same time as me, 
was wondering, she was like, why did I get my like handcuffs and all that? The zip ties cut off and her and this other white girl, he's like, why are you still chained up? Mm-hmm. And I was like the only one and I was like, you why do you me? think yeah. I'm still chained up? And she made this big fuss about it and she was just like, why, why are they the only one who's still handcuffed, stuff like that? And then the cop was like, okay, and finally undid me. Yeah. Which, you know, like, it's the small things, even in a time when we're both being arrested, we're still not equal. Yep. But sure. by this time, you know, it's another like three hours of us sitting around and getting, you know, mug shots taken, mm-hmm. fingerprints and all that different stuff. And by that time, everyone's just swapping the stories of why they got arrested. And it's just coming into the light that it was basically just pre-planned of them. Yeah. What to call it? Antagonizing mm-hmm. protesters. A bunch of bullshit. Yeah. At the end of the day. And I think people were like, oh, there has to be some big underlying meaning and stuff like that. I'm like, no, no. people just want to be violent. Those people just want to be violent. That's yeah, the just... only thing. Because none of us, mind you, came out for that. The only thing we came out there for was to, you know, give us our presence, have our voices heard, you know, community and stuff like that. And it just went left so quickly. Just to give you all a tidbit though, being inside of the jail is hell because even though they split up men and women, there's men officers on the women's side. And I still wish that I could have gotten his badge number, but of course he didn't give it to us. Yeah. It, you know, the sexual innuendos of threats that he gave was you know it's horrible and i don't you know it makes me think about like because there's a whole bunch of us who got arrested so Mm -hmm. it's very deep into the jail like there's a bunch of us and i'm just thinking of you know on a regular tuesday night someone gets arrested a black woman what happens in here she's alone when she's by herself you know usually you know someone who's you know homeless someone you know and i think the biggest thing about being there was feeling that uneasy feeling of what the hell goes on in here when it's not a bunch of us. Yeah. And I was just like, nothing good, clearly. They were extremely verbally abusive in there. If they could have been physically abusive, they would have been, but there's way too many of us in there it's for it to ever escalate I, yeah. because it would have been way too many witnesses. And I'm just, you know, the whole time, it just feels like, God, I, I hate that we've all been arrested, but I was just like, I don't know what would have happened to me if it would have only been me, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, just to give y'all of after those hours, cause I'm then there for another 10 hours. Cause mind you, no one knows where we are. Mm-hmm. So like they gave you your phone call or what? After all those hours, I finally get to a phone. Like again, it's probably I had to ask my mom when I finally called her, like, what time is it? Because I still didn't know. Mm-hmm. All the clocks. I'm sure she was probably freaking out. Like, she was following my thing, like, my phone and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think at some point they had, like, turned it off. So she had been following. And, you know, my friends who were, like, who, shout out to them, um, had waited there, like, all night. They were still there. They had been searching they for me. They waited at the, um, where you guys were protesting? Yeah, they had searched for me. They had, because we had exchanged numbers with my mom so they could know. Yeah. And they were just like, we're waiting. We're like, we don't know where they went. We don't know what happened. Yeah. It was like, so my mom was watching. It was like, yeah, I think I got arrested. Because it showed that I was still there. So I had to be somewhere. But then she saw as my phone, before they turned it off, mm-hmm. was moving towards um, police station. So just putting two and two together. But I didn't speak to anyone on the phone until the morning, like, you know, it had turned past 12 um, on the call. And it's just like, if you don't have anyone's number memorized, there is no way for you to get out there because it's just phones out there. You can't, you know, ask for anything, pen, paper, anything. When I was trying to uh, call other people because I only had my mom's phone number memorized. Um, So... The whole system is crazy and it's meant for you to wallow away in there. There's no sense of urgency or anything. Yeah. Just trying to get bailed out. And they're just like, oh, until your bail is posted. How much was your bail? It was really expensive. Um, I'm trying to remember. 
I have all the documentation, but it's you know it's been a while. I want to say it was either ten or twenty thousand. What? So everyone else's bail, mind you, everyone was misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. So was you know a lot lower. So I'm asking other people, I was like, what is y'all's bail? And they're just like, you know, like like two k. And like I'm just like. It's like, I don't know if I'm going to get out of here. Yeah. So my mom's trying to shuffle money around and stuff like that and get me out. So, okay. After you're finally released and everything, obviously it's not over. You have to, I don't know, you didn't do, did you do an actual trial and stuff? Um, before we did that, even being released is crazy because you have to go like the bail bond place and all that and sign off things. And I think one thing... The reason they don't teach that in school is because they want you to have no idea what you're supposed to do to get out, mm-hmm. especially the black and brown community. Um, but shout out to the people who were waiting out there with like supplies and stuff, the people who didn't get arrested yeah. and they waited outside of the jail. They were super nice. They had asked me about what happened and they were like taking pictures because mind you, it was evident that I had gotten beat up mm-hmm. and they were just like, like can we take pictures and stuff like that and I was like it's fine so you know just pictures of you know my arms and stuff like that so my mom's like we got to get you know like COVID tested because I had to do that and then I also had to go to the doctor because I was having an allergic reaction to the tear gas so it was you know going inside of the cuts that I had Mm. and so I had to get a shot in my ass I think that's one thing that you know it's just kind of documentation because they're just like, oh, you know, they'll say, oh, we just arrested you. It's like, then why do I have, you know, yeah. all this on me? But you said the trial and stuff like that. Yeah. So I got a black woman who was working pro bono. A lot of lawyers were coming out to, like, help. Um, so the whole thing was she was letting me know. She's like, they're going to drop the charges on all the misdemeanor people. Because there's no way to do, like, 200. Yeah. They can't do it. It's, like, it's not going to stick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're like, some people might just, you know, go through it or whatever, but it's, like, not enough people, and it's going to, you know, be way too much money. He's like, but the thing was, she was like, but for the people who did get felonies, it was, like, maybe five people. He's like, they're not going to throw it out. He's like, they want to they wanna go through with it. Um, so that was, I guess, scary. Because I was just like, facing jail time. You know, there's never any guarantee for anything. Doesn't matter if I did it or not. Yeah. But to tell you about the trial and stuff like that, my lawyer was still like, she's like, I want to get it thrown out. You know. So the person prosecuting, she was like, they they don't want to they don't want to go through with it. So the prosecutor was just like, they don't want to prosecute you. They don't want to prosecute anyone who's, you know, for the person who was on, who was going to be prosecuting my case, was like, uh, you know, they didn't believe in it. And they were like, this, you know, this is no wait. I'm not going to go after you. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So thank, thank whoever, because if that prosecutor wanted to take me to court, then they could have fully. But I went, you know, I did my court like online. I had to go in person the first time, but most of it was um, online court dates and stuff like that. Um, so what happened was I was on probation uh, or whatever to begin with during my um, trial and stuff like that. Um, mind you, it was actually crazy trying to stay within those restraints because my um, lawyer was like getting the judge like, you got to change this. There's no way that you have it. So I couldn't be out past I think it was 8 o'clock, and I couldn't leave the state, and then, like, you know, drugs, screens, different stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but my lawyer was like, there's no way they don't have any priors mm-hmm. for you to have, like, all this. So I basically had to, like, keep on insisting that I was like, I have to leave the state because at that time it was COVID and I had to go get all my stuff from school. Oh, yeah. That was still up there. So basically having to ask, you know, the court to allow me to leave because I would be out one past eight and Mm -hmm. two um, out of the state. So I think a lot of people don't realize the things they put in place to catch you 
yeah and put you right back in so i'm i'm glad i had you know uh, a black woman to you know speak up for me and stuff like that and be like you know this makes no sense for you to have all this to clear up some of the, like trial stuff um basically they just um because the prosecutor didn't want to actually prosecute me and wanted to um not throw it out but not convict basically um i then had to take like ang like i had to pick a course like and so For i had to take management. anger management and i had to write a letter of apology okay well what did the like cops that. have to do oh nothing, nothing yeah at all. not a damn thing um so i you know i sucked it up yeah. and did everything i had to do so that i didn't end up having you know to go full out into trial yeah. you know because i was like at the end of the day if they you know max sentence i'm not going away of course i probably wouldn't have gotten the max but i'm not going but away still, for yeah. 10 years you know so um, this happened june 2020 obviously yeah. and by when everything was wrapped up yeah this took forever and that's my life was literally on pause this whole time because trying to work trying to do this while i have like this charge pending yeah was just you know and it wouldn't have been as bad if it wasn't a felony charge yeah pending. that was like a big thing so all the way into 2021 um i finally got my case dismissed and then I wanted to get my record expunged yeah to get it taken off mind you all of that did not I didn't finally get that all done until the end of 2021 so like so a year this and is a half. the this is the first year that I've started with having that taken off of my record now like you said this is the first year where it's kind of like you are walking into this completely you know according to the courts completely expunged of everything but clearly still sticks with you in some ways are there ways that you're trying to move past like the trauma that you experience like things that you do or um for the main part um you know i you know at one point i had journaled about it and even at this level of talking about it it's very i kept it very surface level you know not diving too much into the emotional field of it too much um and i just wrote that i know that it's it's festering underneath me because if I open up to that extreme, I don't know how long it would take me to get out of that dark mm -hmm. spot. And I just don't really have, you know, the time or the energy to crawl out of that. So I keep it at an arm's distance and I try not to think about it or remember it. Um, but it, it's not a healthy coping mechanism at all. I definitely want to go about it, but I know I'm not ready yeah. to fully you know because if i keep it at arm's length then it you know it doesn't have to be real but i definitely see the repercussions of that like me and my mom i gotten pulled over and i had a full-on panic attack and just seeing police makes me you know i was already anxious i'm black but now it's like i physically you know feel ill and like almost like to the brink of throwing up mm -hmm. and then, you know, full on anxiety attacks, you know, even to the point of seeing it on TV, I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's definitely something that I need to deal with. Well, when you're ready, clearly, I mean, yeah. you already know how rushing into something like that can affect people in general so 
I'm grateful that you came and talked about your experience here and that you were willing to open up even in the um, amount that you did. So thank you for that. Of course. Um, I think it's, it's, it's good to shine light on, because a lot of people only see the aftermath of things. They don't see how things build up. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people still want to have hope about certain things, but as a black person at least, to talk to them directly in this, and what I'm gonna say, is that you're literally enemy number one, and they're not there to help you at the end of the day. And I know that's sad, and I know it's depressing. But it's the reality of it. But you can't rely on the police or just, you know, just the government in and of itself yeah. Because we were not in mind at all mm -hmm. for when it says, quote unquote, protect and serve. So I don't say it to be pessimistic, but to let you know, you know. Just from the story you just told, you can see that. Yeah, I'm just like, if you want to still be optimistic, that's fine. I think everyone should, you know, have that hope in their life. But you need to be precautious and you need to be careful, you know, at the end of the day. I don't want to see any more bloodshed just because you thought, hey, they'll come and protect me, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's not what it's built for. I think it's just, you know, more of an enlightening thing. After this day, I think one thing that I want to leave with people after this day is that I realize that my life doesn't belong to me. There's nothing I can do to have autonomy over myself. They can do whatever they want, mm -hmm. whenever they want. And I think, you know, it, it gave me a sense of sadness, but it gave me a sense of freedom. I was like, what, you know, what I do doesn't, you know, matter in the sense of what, if it can be taken away so quickly. So I guess I'm, more of someone who's just like, if I want to do something, I'm going to, you know, I'm do it. Not illegal things, of course. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm like, life's way too short now. Yeah. You know, after an experience like that. Life's too short, but life expectancy is shorter for some than it is for others, simply because of the color of their skin. This is unacceptable. The undervaluing of black and brown lives, not only in America, but all over the world is unacceptable. Until recently, for a long time it seems, there was a veil of ignorance and a lack of acknowledgement around America's long history of brutality against black people in this country. Although unfortunate, recent events have made it so that senseless acts of violence and unjustified murder against the black community cannot be ignored. This disillusionment is only reinforced when people like Ray tell their stories. So thank you, Ray, for your activism and for continuing the fight. We will not be silenced, but to listen is a choice only you can make. Thanks for tuning in. I'll catch y'all in the next episode. Peace.